0: We are continuing in our study of Hebrews. And you might think, oh no, Ron, that's not continuing. That's going backwards. Because we're going back all the way to verse 1 in chapter 1. And there's a reason behind it. I mean, I always tell my wife, there's always a reason why I'm doing what I'm doing. Even though you can't figure it out. And sometimes I can't figure it out. But Hebrews 1, 1 through 3 totally focuses on who Jesus Christ is and how it relates to us as believers. And we're having communion this morning where it's one of the closest activities that we can do as the people of God in coming together, acknowledging his presence and his work in our life and our life in him together. And so I thought, well, we already went through those first three verses. We are experiencing what the disciples experienced as they gathered in that upper room the night of the day that Jesus was nailed to the cross. Let that sink in. That he was anticipating his death on our behalf and not just ours. Every man, woman, and child that has ever been born on the face of this earth. And I believe even those that have been conceived and didn't make it in delivery. We can take great confidence that he's the Lord of life and he overcame death on our behalf. And so when the writer of Hebrews, we don't know who he is. We don't have a name. We have some speculation. And those of you who think you know, no, it wasn't Paul. I've been converted from that. Uh, I thought for years that it was Paul it was a writer. And I don't think so anymore, not having spent some time in Hebrews. But it doesn't really matter. It's a person who knew, not firsthand, but secondhand, about Jesus Christ. And on second-hand news and introduction, he believed and received and with confidence became the writer of an incredible book that some of us have struggled with to even read through it and try to understand it. And I, for years, didn't want to really jump into it even though it was my wife's favorite book. And I saw it as kind of a collage of who Jesus is and how do you put the pieces together. But as I spent more time, as I was picking up these pieces, I began to see an incredible, well-designed pattern in this book. And I'm appreciating it much, much more. And I hope you are too. And I've challenged you, read a chapter a week. And when you get done, With the end of Hebrews, go back to the beginning until we're finished here or I die up here on my feet. Let's prepare our hearts for this morning's presentation by the Holy Spirit. Father, we thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for faithful men and women who contributed to our faith, to our understanding. We thank you for the light of your word. And now just focus our hearts and our minds on our Lord Jesus Christ. We pray in his name. Amen. We're looking to Jesus. God has spoken in his son. God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers and the prophets in many portions and in many ways, in these last days, has spoken to us In his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the world, and he is the radiance of his glory and the exact representation of his nature and upholds all things by the word of his power. When he had made perfection for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. We went through this list a few weeks ago, but we're going to go through it again, and we're focusing on what we are going to finish this morning, Lord willing, in gathering around this table. First one is, Whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the world, and he, Jesus, is the radiance of God's glory the exact representation of his nature and upholds all things. When he had made purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. That's our outline this morning. Jesus is the heir. Heir of all things. Well, you've heard of an inheritance That is, could be your sister's worn-out gummy racer. Or it could be your dad's old Volkswagen. Or it could be this humongous piece of property as an inheritance. But you know what? Jesus inherited the whole universe was his. His. And I'm convinced, yeah, there may be other worlds out there, but you know what? I don't really think so. I think that this ball is so special. This earth is so special that God sent his son to us. Now, there may be angels or Seraphim or cherubim or whatever out there, but I think that He made us as human beings in His image. And so, because of that, it became a target of the enemy and to every person that ever aspired to grab control of this globe. I believe that Jesus Christ is so focused and interested in every single human being that was born on this planet, that he came and demonstrated how we can escape alive from this ball. We're all going to die, but there's some of us who already are alive eternally because we have trusted in Jesus Christ. And Jesus has come for the purpose of his kingdom. And we're part of that. Matthew 4, 1-11 to was a picture of of just how bad the conflict was for this ball. We probably all know about the temptation of Jesus. He had just been baptized by John in the Jordan. He had just had... The father in a booming voice, audible voice, saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. I can't imagine that happening anywhere else. And immediately Jesus is led by God, the spirit of God, into the wilderness to prepare him for the ministry Of bringing a message to these human beings of whom he had become a part. And as I've shared with this congregation before, Jesus was 100% God, 100% man. Well, you're saying that's 200%. No, I think it's so integrated in his life. He wasn't a split personality, he was integrated. He was a whole human being. And in that, he was able then to represent us as well as to represent God. But he came as the prince to an inheritance which was on this earth. And it was for that reason and that that is a big reason in my mind that we are what God was focusing on. And I might think, you might think, or somebody might think, oh, Ron, you are so small-minded. God is bigger than that. Well, I don't see any evidence that there's other worlds out there. Not in the revelation that we have. Jesus is so incredible in his coming to be with us and to call us his family, his brothers and sisters. Think about that. That's our purpose this morning to focus. But the tempter came and he said, If you are the Son of God, if you are the Son of God, tempting him, turn these rocks into bread. The enemy does that to us too. If you're really a Christian, we all have doubts. I have doubts. I have doubts every day. And you know what? In the last few months, I've been challenged more than ever by the enemy who would like to discourage me and say, go back home. But Katie and I are having so much fun here. Why would we want to leave? And we may not. Sorry about that. And Jesus answered to him, like the answer is to us. It is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Jesus quoted that to the enemy. and then The devil took Jesus up to a high pinnacle. Where was that pinnacle? It was on the temple. On the very place that There was the worship to the Most High God, the Creator. And Satan dares to take Jesus to that pinnacle and says, cast yourself down. And the devil, he knows the Bible, by the way. He backed his challenge up to the fact that it's written in Psalm 91. He will give his angels charge concerning you And on their hands they will bear you up so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. And Jesus answered him, It is written, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Who was Jesus quoting that for? Was he throwing that in the face of Satan? I think that he was speaking it to us and to himself. Remember, we said that he was 100% man. And he was trusting in the Word. And you know, sometimes you've got to be careful. And I'm not wanting to scare you, but sometimes there are scriptures that we latch onto as people and we use them for what we want and not for what God wants. Be careful of that. Read the context. Look at other scriptures. Compare them. Know your Bible. Know what is written there. Because the devil even knows how to use the word of God. That's why we need to read the Bible. That's why we have to get into it and really understand what it's saying to us. Share it with one another to see if these things be so. God will never judge you, I don't believe, with you doubting or saying, well, is this really true? Katie and I do this all the time to each other, of, well, look at what I just saw. And she'll share that with me, and I'll say, no, honey, that doesn't mean that. Well, look at this here. Oh, yeah, well, maybe it could. Well, and then we come to agreement. Sharpening each other. That's what we should be doing, each one of us. Having a friend that's close that you can... Share the word with. And it's so wonderful when your wife can correct you and keep you on the right path, guys. And you need to hone her too so that she can hone you back. Amen, brother. We don't hear that very often, Jeff. Thanks. I know you're Pentecostal, but... uh, (laughs) The devil showed him all the kingdoms and their glory. All these I will give to you if you fall down and worship me. What the ultimate egotist Satan is. And you know what? Some of us are his kids. Some of us have fallen for his lies. But we also say in the American colloquial, it's full of baloney. And Jesus said to him, "Begone, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Was he saying that to Satan? Well, the first part he says, Be gone. Yeah. But the word of God, in context, is to ourselves. And Jesus was saying, The scriptures, Deuteronomy 6.13. You shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Not money, not people, not purposes. You should serve the Lord. Jesus overcame by Scripture as we can as well. Our Lord Jesus, the perfect, sinless, second Adam. Have you heard that term before, the second Adam? The first Adam fell. And we all are his children. The second Adam, Jesus, was raised from the dead, and God proved who his son was by the fact that he was raised from the dead, and the tomb is empty, and he's risen and sitting on the right hand of God. Jesus Christ is the creator of the world. John 1, 1 to 3. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and apart from him, nothing came into being that has come into being. Who is Jesus? He's the word. He's the word of God. God has spoken to us in these last days. And the last days aren't over yet. The last days are, I think, just about filled. We're just about there. Hebrews 11:3. By faith we understand that the worlds were prepared by the word of God, so that what is seen is not made out of things that are visible. Now, see, that's a, a verse right there that you can ponder over for a long time and say, well, so that... What is seen was not made out of things which are visible. Well, we just read in John 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. That Word has been spoken to us, and we have it now. You don't see the reality of it, but you are going to live it out as you walk with Jesus Christ. So that what is seen was not made out of things which are visible. Hebrews talks about that which is within us of faith in Jesus Christ. Prove your faith. Tell me what faith is. We're getting to chapter 11 where we'll understand what faith is. And you can't you can't see it. It's invisible. But it's real. It's just as real as you could touch it. In him all things hold together. Jesus Christ is the radiance of God's glory. Exodus thirty-three twenty. But God said, you cannot see my face, for no man can see me and live. That was words spoken to Moses. I believe, and we've talked about this before, that when Moses said, show me your face, God said, you can't see my face, but you can see him at the back of me, and I'll put you behind a rock, and I'll walk, but you can only see the back part of me. And Moses' face began to shine in the presence of God, who was great light. And he came down, and the children of Israel couldn't stand the sight on his face. And he covered it, his face. And as Hebrews also tells us, he didn't cover it because he wanted to protect the people. He actually covered it because the light was fading off his face. And he didn't want the people to know that the light was fading. You can't see my face. And I believe that the reason why we as human beings cannot see God's face is because we do not have the capacity emotional or even physical we haven't got the capacity to take it in but there's something interesting here in Luke 2:32 and also Isaiah 9 2 talks about the light of revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel God has not left out all the peoples of the world. We've talked about this before. He loved the people of Israel. He demonstrated his favor and his message in and through them. But his purpose was for the entire population of the world, all races, all people, to come to know who he was. This verse was spoken over Jesus when he was uh, being blessed by Simeon in the temple and then Jesus talks about glory I glorified you on the earth having accomplished the work which you have given me to do now glorify me together with yourself with the glory which I had with you before the world was okay I'm not really a scholar so don't ask me what does Jesus mean by God had shared his glory but restore it. I don't know what that means. This particular word, going back to the description coming from uh, Hebrews, Jesus Christ is the radiance of God's glory. That word radiance, the Greek word, and I'm not a Greek scholar, I have just what you have in your fingertips as well. You can go to Bible school or, or to seminary almost off the internet. But, that word radiance is only once in the Bible, that Greek word. And I can't even pronounce it, by the way. It's a compound word that the writer of Hebrews is using. But it actually means literally off-flash. Literally, that word. It's a very interesting word. Off-flash. So it, it is not a reflective type of light, it isn't coming from God the Father to Jesus, but it's coming directly from Jesus. And it's like a very powerful flash. You know, what was it, a month or so ago in the United States, you were seeing these people and had these glasses and they're looking up. What were they looking for? The eclipse. And if you don't use glasses, dark glasses, you can burn the retina in your eyes and you you can blind yourself. So they were cautioning people. That's sort of what this word, I think, means. It's this intense light that is coming through the universe from our little tiny sun and can blind our eyes. It's that kind of flash effect. It's not reflective where you have a a mirror or something like that, you hold it up to the sun and you can burn a hole in somebody's uh, shoji by uh, (laughs) concentrating that that light. Okay, enough of that. (laughs) But I think it's important. Jesus is the radiance of God's glory. He has it. Jesus is the light of the world. Jesus is the light the world needs this dark world Jesus Christ is the exact representation of the Father's nature Philip said to Jesus Lord show us the Father and it is enough for us and Jesus answered him have I been so long with you and yet you have not come to know me Philip do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me he who has seen me has seen the Father. How sad that must have been for Jesus to hear that from Philip. <laughs> I bet you anything, knowing my own heart, Lord, show us the Father and it will be good enough for us. I can imagine myself asking that after having walked with Jesus for a couple of years. And Jesus saying, Huh? What? What? I've been with you this long and you haven't seen the Father. If you've seen the Father, you've seen me. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Jesus is the author of our salvation. He knows what we need and he prays to the Father for us, interceding for us. He's the exact representation of the Father. Jesus upholds all things by the word of his power. I'll just read this. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. All authority. 1 Peter 3.22 Who is at the right hand of God having gone into heaven after angels and authorities and powers have been subjected to him. He is at the right hand of God having gone into heaven after angels and authorities and powers have been subjected to him. Let that sink in. What is the situation in the heavenlies right now? Jesus is holding it together. It's Jesus. Don't think that things are out of control around your life. He has control. Jesus, the name above every name. Jesus Christ made purification of sins. Hebrews 2.17, Therefore God had to be made like his brethren in all things. He had to. Otherwise, we wouldn't have survived. We would not survive this planet. We would not survive to eternal life. He was made to be our priest in order to go through these things. That was the spectacular plan of God so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God to make atonement for the sins of the people. Incredible, incredible truth. Jesus is our high priest. And he goes before the Father. This is my blood, which was shed for them. This is my son. This is my daughter. This is my people. Receive them, Father. He's our high priest. And he ever lives, to make intercession for us. And lastly, Jesus Christ sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high as victor, as having conquered. Christ Jesus is he who died. Yes, but rather he who was raised. He who is at the right hand of God who also intercedes for us. That's who Jesus Christ is. He's interceding for us before the Father right now. And by the very fact that he's seated there, we are secure in him. Hebrews 8, one, We have such a high priest who has taken his seat at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens, a minister in the sanctuary and in the true tabernacle which the Lord pitched and not man. That tabernacle that they had, that they pitched every time they moved and then settled down, every bit of that was just a picture, a very crude picture of what God had done for us in sending his son. That's why the Old Testament has so much meaning to us in the New Testament. We can't have the New Testament without the Old Testament the whole word of God is totally contained as one and that's why we enjoy so much having the Old Testament survey right in this room here such a blessing twice a month to see the people gathered here and really digging into understanding what the Old Testament is all about we need to know it folks it It opens up the truth of the New Testament. You can't even hardly understand what the New Testament is without understanding the Old Testament. Jesus is a minister in the sanctuary. Who is the sanctuary? We are the sanctuary. And Jesus comes to dwell in, with us by his spirit and by his word and by these elements or these demonstrations of the bread and the wine the juice we thank the Lord Jesus for the gift that he has given us in this celebration this is why we're here this is why we call ourselves Christians because we're commemorating, we are remembering the body and the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ.